Good evening and welcome to NTD News. I'm Stephanie Cox. Here are today's top stories. The latest batch of the so-called Twitter files was dropped today. What was revealed? We'll give you the details on how the U.S. military was in contact with Twitter. A 6.4 magnitude earthquake shook Humboldt County, California on Tuesday morning. It left tens of thousands of people out of power, damaged property, as well as a California state route. Today, the House Ways and Means Committee was set to vote on whether it should release former President Trump's tax returns. Are Democratic members on the committee holding officials accountable or weaponizing the tax code? Congress unveils a $1.7 trillion spending bill as shutdown looms. But the House GOP leader vows to strike it down, calling it a monstrosity. What's in it? ICE training videos show border officials did not fully process 150,000 illegal immigrants. NTD speaks with an immigration expert to find out more. And calling yourself an American? You might think twice about that. The term is now reportedly considered harmful language by Stanford University. Homes and businesses have been without power in Northern California after a 6.4 magnitude earthquake hit off the coast around 2.30 a.m. this morning. NTD's David Lamb has the latest. A 6.4 magnitude earthquake hit the city of Ferndale in Humboldt County in the early hours of Tuesday morning. Dozens of aftershocks followed until 4 a.m. State Route 211 to Fernbridge was damaged while safety inspections were conducted. Social media videos showed damage inside one property with home items broken and strewn across the ground. Local authorities said two people have died and about 11 injured. Over 70,000 people lost power across Humboldt County, but the sheriff said a tsunami is not expected. The state's Office of Emergency Services issued a statement. Cal OES is leading the state's response and is working with local officials, tribal governments, and state agencies to provide needed resources to local communities. The earthquake was about 10 miles deep and struck about 7.4 miles from Ferndale. The city is near the coast and about a four-hour drive north of San Francisco. It's been almost exactly one year since a 6.2 magnitude earthquake hit elsewhere in the same county. David Lamb, Entity News, California. The latest installment of the so-called Twitter files was released this afternoon, showing how the social media platform quietly aided U.S. intelligence officials' online campaigns. Journalist Lee Fong released part eight of the Twitter files on Tuesday. In a lengthy thread that was reposted by Twitter owner Elon Musk, Fang wrote that despite promises to shut down covert state-run propaganda networks, Twitter docs show that the social media giant directly assisted the U.S. military's influence operations. The files include screenshots of messages from U.S. Central Command, or CENTCOM, to Twitter. Fang wrote, in 2017, a CENTCOM official sent Twitter a list of 52 Arab language accounts we use to amplify certain messages. The official asked for priority service for six accounts, verification for one, and whitelist abilities for the others. The thread continued, the same day CENTCOM sent the list, Twitter officials used a tool to grant a special whitelist tag that essentially provides verification status to the accounts without the blue check, meaning they are exempt from spam or abuse flags, more visible or likely to trend on hashtags. 
According to Fang, those accounts primarily posted about U.S. operations in the Middle East, including promoting messages targeting Iran and the Saudi war in Yemen. CENTCOM then appeared to make the accounts look unconnected to the U.S. Fang said according to records he viewed, many of these accounts continued tweeting throughout this year, and some were not suspended until May 2022 or later. The report concluded that Twitter actively assisted CENTCOM's network going back to 2017, and as late as 2020 knew these accounts were covert or designed to deceive to manipulate the discourse, a violation of Twitter's policies and promises. They waited years to suspend. Fang added that he was given access to Twitter for a few days, but Twitter had no input into this report. We reached out to CENTCOM for their response and are still waiting to hear back. Former President Trump's tax returns could be released to the public. The House Ways and Means Committee met in a closed session today to vote on the possible release. NTD's Arlene Richards reports. Pursuant to notice, the Ways and Means Committee will now come to order. In a private session, the House Ways and Means Committee voted on Tuesday on whether or not to release former President Trump's tax returns to the public. Under the law, the committee can make Trump's tax returns public if a majority of its members vote to do so. But a vote to release the records could have significant implications. Critics of the release say it could raise questions about whether the Democrat majority on the committee used their power as a political weapon against a Republican opponent. Although it's a significant act of transparency, some fear it could end taxpayer privacy. Former IRS Commissioner John Koskinen told the New York Times this kind of decision is a dangerous precedent. He cautioned that the committee should have a good reason for the release. When they made the request, Democrats said they had a legitimate legislative purpose for requesting the records as part of an oversight inquiry. Their purpose was to determine the scope of the IRS's audit of the president, specifically whether or not his business activities were reported on his individual tax returns. Top Republican on the committee, Kevin Brady, said in a statement that Democrats were politicizing the tax code and unleashing a dangerous new political weapon that reaches far beyond President Trump and jeopardizes the privacy of every American. Presidents are not required by law to release their tax returns, but for years they have done so voluntarily. Trump is the first major party candidate not to release his tax returns in four decades. Even if the committee votes against releasing Trump's records this month, there's still a chance they could be released later. Before House Republicans take over on January 3rd, the Senate Finance Committee will be able to obtain the returns. And that committee can then release information after its own review of the presidential audit program. Arlene Richards, NTD News. A $1.7 trillion spending bill unveiled today as a government shutdown looms. NTD's Iris Tao has more on what's in it and why it's facing pushback from House Republicans. Democratic and Republican negotiators on Tuesday released a sweeping omnibus funding bill with a $1.7 trillion price tag. It would fund the government through the fiscal year of 2023. We must finish passing this omnibus before the deadline on Friday when government funding runs out. Lawmakers are facing a midnight Friday deadline to get it passed, or else we'll see a partial government shutdown going to the Christmas holiday. 
The over 4,000-page measure includes an additional $45 billion in aid for Ukraine and funding for major parts of Biden's economic agenda. It also includes changes to how lawmakers could object to electoral votes and a ban on TikTok for government devices. Here, Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell today backing the bill, saying it boosts defense funding. This is an impressive outcome for the Republican negotiators. We've transferred huge sums of money away from Democrats' spending wish lists <clears throat> toward our national defense. Many House Republicans, however, are urging GOP senators to block it, saying they should pass a short-term deal for now and wait until Republicans take over the House majority next year and have more leverage on spending cuts. House GOP leader Kevin McCarthy today warning those senators who might vote for it, tweeting, quote, when I'm speaker, their bills will be dead on arrival in the House if this nearly $2 trillion monstrosity moves forward. The bill is expected to pass the Senate and then get to the House no later than Thursday. Reporting in Washington, D.C., Iris Tao, NTD News. An Arizona judge ruled yesterday that two of Republican Carrie Lake's election case claims can go to trial. The two-day hearing is scheduled for Wednesday and Thursday. NTD's Daniel Monahan has that story. Are you ready to take this state back? Maricopa County Judge Peter Thompson dismissed eight of the ten claims Lake raised in her lawsuit. The lawsuit asks the judge to either declare her the winner or hold a revote in the county. The two counts that Judge Thompson approved for trial are the malfunctioning of printers on election day and the chain of custody of ballots. I want to make a pledge to you. I will do everything in my power at this moment to save America. Lake asserts that the printers that malfunctioned were not certified and had vulnerabilities that made them susceptible to hacking. She also claimed the printers malfunctioned because of intentional action. Here's Lake on Real America's Voice. We have a movement that is unstoppable, and the only way they can stop it is if they steal our elections. The bar is high for Lake. She must demonstrate that misconduct occurred with the printers in a way that violates Arizona law. She must also prove that the misconduct caused her to lose votes and that those lost votes affected the outcome of the election. In addition, she will try to demonstrate that ballots were improperly added at a county contractor that handles returned mail ballots. County officials say everyone had a chance to vote and all ballots were counted. Judge Thompson will make a final decision, which will likely be appealed to the Arizona Supreme Court. Lake responded to the news on Twitter, writing, Buckle up, America. This is far from over. Daniel Monahan, NTD News. Officials are trying to track down 150,000 illegal immigrants who were released inside the U.S. A video shows they were let into the country without being fully processed. NTD's Jason Perry has that story. Training videos from Immigration and Customs Enforcement, or ICE, show they lost track of 150,000 illegal immigrants who were released into the U.S. during the summer of 2021. The videos were first obtained by Fox News Digital. You know, over the summer, uh, we had well over 150,000 folks come in. Uh, they were issued a piece of paper that said, go find somebody in ICE. And... Um, that was pretty much it. There was no processing. Operation Horizon was launched in November 2021 to try to find these individuals. But the main problem is that these illegal immigrants were not fully processed. So there is very little information officials can go on to try to find them. And they had no idea where to find these individuals. 
I spoke with Jessica Vaughn, the Director of Policy Studies at the Center for Immigration Studies. She explained that in general, illegal border crossers can claim asylum and stay in the U.S. until their case is heard or they may be put into removal proceedings and held in custody until they are removed. And what was happening here was instead uh, the Border Patrol was simply releasing people. They didn't do interviews to collect information on their purpose for coming to the United States, where they were going to be living, um, how they could check in with ICE or any kind of process whatsoever. It was literally catch and release. No addresses, no destinations, even general destinations. It was an honor system. And 150,000 illegal migrants never checked in with ICE. Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas had told the public that ICE was trying to locate all of the people who had been caught and released by the Border Patrol. So, you know, and obviously from this training video and the comments in it, it's, it's, it's a completely um, pointless exercise because they have no information to go on. They don't know the, the you know, even that the names that these people gave the Border Patrol are their real names or their identities at all. Vaughn says the federal government will need help from state governments to locate these people. We reached out to ICE and we'll include their comment when they respond. Jason Perry, NTD News. Getting rid of so-called harmful language. Stanford University has reportedly put together a long list of words and phrases it's targeting for elimination. The university proposes alternatives to terms used by many on a daily basis. The Wall Street Journal this week published and criticized a list of terms by Stanford University. The school describes the words and phrases as harmful language. Stanford says it's part of its Elimination of Harmful Language Initiative, which the school calls a multi-phase, multi-year project to address harmful language in IT at Stanford. In addition, terms on the website are grouped into categories, ableist, ageism, culturally appropriative, gender-based, imprecise language, institutionalized racism, person-first, and violent. In the ableist category, the school includes terms such as walk-in for appointments. They suggest using drop-in instead. Calling yourself an American falls in the category of imprecise language. U.S. citizen is suggested instead, because American often refers to people from the United States only, thereby insinuating that the U.S. is the most important country in the Americas. Immigrant would be replaced with the four-word term, person who has immigrated. The Wall Street Journal editorial board says this list shows that much of modern life and culture resembles the Babylon Bee. The list reportedly took 18 months to complete. Reporting by Arian Pastar, NTD News. If you have any news tips or feedback for our show, you can email us at eveningnews at ntd.com. And coming up, a 97-year-old woman was sentenced for her role in a Nazi concentration camp. The judge found her guilty of murdering over 10,000 people during World War II. And in the NBA, it looks like the Phoenix Suns will sell for a record amount as franchise values reach new highs. NTD's Dave Martin has the latest, that and more coming up. Germany has sentenced a 97-year-old Nazi war criminal. 
The court convicted her of contributing to the murder of more than 10,000 people during World War II. The trial took place in a small town in northern Germany. The judge gave a two-year suspended sentence to Irmgard Fürkner, who worked as a typist in a Nazi concentration camp from 1943 to 1945. She was convicted under juvenile law, as she was only 18 when she committed the crime. The trial was postponed in September 2021 when she briefly fled the country. Fjorkner was captured a few hours after failing to appear in court. Prosecutors say her verdict is a crucial one. Only a secretary is easily said, but the role of a secretary at the time in the bureaucracy of a concentration camp was significant. I believe that it's very important for the survivors, but also for everyone today, that this trial ended with a verdict. I believe the sentence is adequate, but what's important is that there was a sentence in the first place which ruled that she is guilty. After hearing the evidence, the court has decided the accused, through her work as a shorthand typist at the Stufhof concentration camp, knowingly and willingly supported the cruel death of more than 10,500 prisoners through gasification through the inhumane conditions at the camp, through the transfer to the Auschwitz-Birkenau concentration camp, and through death marches. This is likely to be the country's last trial for World War II crimes. Prosecutors said they analyzed all existing papers from the concentration camp and found Fjörkner's signature and initials. In her closing statement, the senior said she was sorry for what had happened and regretted her participation in the crime. Funeral homes in Beijing are running 24-7, an upsurge reportedly linked to COVID-19. Several health data institutes have run models to predict the casualties, and they're seeing shocking results. A catastrophic scenario could play out in China over the next three months. Over two million deaths from COVID-19. The forecast model comes from health data analytics company Airfinity. It also sees the possibility of up to nearly 280 million infection cases across the country. The result is similar to other expert predictions. The populations at greatest risk in the world are those that have avoided a lot of transmission and have gaps in vaccination. Uh, and that's exactly the case for, for China. That's because China hasn't vaccinated enough of its elderly people instead focusing on a strict antivirus policy called Zero COVID-19. With the country seeing a major virus surge, Airfinity says death would peak in January, while cases may peak in December. That would put China's death toll higher than the United States, with around 1 million deaths since the pandemic began. In Beijing, demand for funeral and cremation services has skyrocketed. A worker at a local funeral home told the Financial Times that his facility cremated 150 bodies on Wednesday, up from just a few dozen on a typical day last winter. Beijing authorities reportedly tasked that local funeral home with cremating those who died after testing positive for COVID-19. Other funeral homes in Beijing were reportedly operating 24 hours a day. There's also a week-long waiting list for an opening. Elsewhere in northern China, a video surfaced online over the weekend showing dead bodies lined up in the local hospital. As concerns over the situation rise across the nation, a worker at one of Shanghai's Christmas markets explained the event saw few visitors over the weekend, noting that people are, quote, too scared to come out. 
Highly concerning. And next, we turn to sports news. Here's NTD's Dave Martin with today's top stories. Thank you, Steph. The Phoenix Suns will be sold for an NBA record $4 billion, according to a report by ESPN. Billionaire mortgage lender Matt Ishbia, formerly a walk-on guard at Michigan State, is finalizing the purchase that will shatter the $2.35 billion that Joe Tsai paid for the Nets just three years ago. The Suns will put up for sale in September after owner Robert Sarver was suspended and fined by the NBA following an independent investigation found that he engaged in conduct that clearly violated common workplace standards. And in the NFL, the New York Jets will go with Zach Wilson at quarterback in their Thursday night matchup against Jacksonville as starter Mike White is still out with a rib injury. Wilson, who was a second overall pick in the 2021 draft, was originally the starter but was benched in favor of White four weeks ago. White impressed in his three starts since but suffered broken ribs in a loss to Buffalo nine days ago. Meanwhile, in golf news, the Masters has announced that they will not change their criteria for automatic entry into the 2023 tournament, which clears the way for 16 live golfers to qualify. Though the sport has been divided by the live golf versus PGA war, four majors operate independent of the PGA. Among the Masters qualifications for automatic entry include any past winners of the Masters and any winners in the past five years of the U.S. Open, British Open, or PGA Championship. And for your sports viewing schedule tonight, the NBA has five games planned, including one with the hottest team in the league, the New York Knicks, who won seven games in a row, taking on the defending champion Golden State Warriors at Madison Square Garden. And finally, for you hockey fans, the NHL has eight games on tap for tonight, including the suddenly reeling New Jersey Devils playing at the Carolina Hurricanes. And that's all for your sports news. Back to you, Steph. Thanks, Dave. Now, it's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. Twinkling lights and sparkling decorations are some of the ways that people mark the holiday. And in Hollywood, shoppers are attracted to certain colors despite the rising prices. It's that time of year. Christmas carols and colorful lights fill the streets. This year's shoppers in Hollywood went all out with a sparkling white winter wonderland theme, complete with clear glass and crystals. Social media is spreading the snow white trend and allowing for any color. For Hollywood shoppers, decorations come in different colors third-generation owner of Aldeck Home in Van Nuys, California, Brian Gold, says he's noticing this trend too. A celebration of color, really. So vibrant colors, pinks, purples, blues, um, and then using some um, kind of different colors that you wouldn't expect to be uh, Christmas colors like blacks and um, deep gunmetal grays. And then snow trees have been very popular this year. Gold store typically takes five months to prepare for the Christmas season. He also says people are willing to pay for his top holiday decor despite inflation. Prices are up a little bit from last year. Um, a lot of that these past couple of years has been the ocean freight pricing. So things like Christmas trees um, have gone up certainly than, than years before. Um, but we carry the, the highest quality trees and so people understand that those are going to carry a premium price tag. Beverly Hills Conference and Visitors Bureau CEO Julie Wagner echoes Gold's sentiment. 
The National Retail Federation showed that intent to shop in person this year has certainly increased over 2021. In 2022, the intent was 67 percent versus 2021, which was only 64 percent. So I think people really do want to get out and shop and enjoy. After two years of COVID restrictions and high global prices affecting shoppers' wallets this year, it now seems like nothing is stopping people from experiencing holidays with their loved ones. Not even high-priced Christmas decor. And that's all for today's news. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Stephanie Cox. Good night.